Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. This is Jason Gewurz, editor and publisher of Sports Travel Magazine, and we're excited to have Michael Caparasso, the president and CEO of New York Roadrunners, with us as our guest. Before we begin, the Sports Travel Podcast is sponsored by the Teams Conference and Expo, the world's largest gathering of sports event organizers and the destinations and suppliers looking to work with them on their events. Teams 19 will be held November 11th through the 14th in Anaheim, California at the Anaheim Convention Center, and it's shaping up to be another great program. Uh, We'll once again feature the U.S. Olympic Committee's Olympic Sports Link and NGB Best Practices Seminar teams, and the National Congress of State Games will again be co-locating its annual meeting with us as well. For more details on Teams, be sure to visit teamsconference.com, and you can get all the information you need about what's in store in Anaheim. And now on to our conversation. The TCS New York City Marathon isn't just a large running race. It's the largest marathon in the world by participation, with more than 50,000 people running through the city's five boroughs each November. The race itself is organized by New York Roadrunners, whose mission is to help and inspire people through running. And leading the charge since May 2015 is Michael Caparasso, the organization's president and CEO. While the marathon is the signature event that New York Roadrunners organizes, it's certainly not their only one. In fact, they organize more than 50 events annually, including the United Airlines New York City Half, which attracts 25,000 runners, and the popular Brooklyn Half, which attracts 27,000. In May, they'll also launch the new Newport Fiesta 5K in Jersey City, New Jersey. As for Caparasso, he doesn't just walk the talk, he runs it, too. Last year marked the 27th consecutive year that he's participated in the New York City Marathon, which is an astonishing feat considering he's also responsible for organizing the event at the same time he's working his way through the course trying for his personal best. Since taking over at New York Roadrunners, Caparasso has expanded the organization's footprint beyond just events, including virtual racing, which allows runners anywhere in the world to race at their convenience. And he's also uh, been a staunch advocate for rising New York Roadrunners, which since 1999 has provided free youth running programs to children across New York City. Now, not everyone is organizing an event on the scale of the New York City Marathon, but in this conversation, Caparasso will talk a bit about what every sports event organizer can take away from the way that New York Roadrunners approaches its events, how the group maintains its youth programs, and, well, what it's like to run a race and organize it at the same time. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Michael, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. It's great to have you. Well, thanks, Jason. I appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to the conversation. Let's start with a high level of New York Roadrunners, because I think many people are going to be familiar with your largest race, the TCS New York City Marathon. But why don't we start with an overview of how many events and programs New York Roadrunners is involved with every year? Yeah, sure. You know, uh, New York Roadrunners celebrated our 60th anniversary last year. So we've been around for a long time here in New York City in the five boroughs. Um, We put on well over 50 events a year um, out on the city streets and in the parks that have become some of the the best premier events, certainly in the city, in this country, and around the world. Uh, As you said, most people know us for the TCS New York City Marathon. But in addition to our events, we're really hang our hat often on the community programs we do. We do a lot of community programs here in New York City, in the parks, um, and in the schools. We have over 135,000 kids that run here in New York City through about 800 schools in our free program. And that free program, Rising New York Roadrunners, is also throughout the, all of the United States, which is over 250,000 kids that run in the program. So we have uh, equally almost amount of people who we connect with through our free programs in the community as do we do in our big world-class events. 
How big a staff do you have that's helping you to organize all these things? We're, we're about 200 full-time and then obviously a lot of part-time when it comes to um, the events. Um, a lot of resources are needed in order to do that. And obviously the TCS New York City Marathon has a big uh, group of part-time people that come in and help support it as well. Let's talk a little bit about the New York City Marathon. You have over 50,000 participants, which makes it the largest participation of any marathon in the world, held every November, of course. But give us an idea, Michael, of what the calendar is like for you over the course of the year. I mean, when the race is over, what's the first thing that's happening when you're looking toward next year's race? I and mean, does it start pretty much immediately? Well, uh, first thing is we, we uh, take a deep breath and, and certainly thank and congratulate the team. We do a lot post-marathon to really kind of recap what happened, what went right, what we need to improve on, what the opportunities are. And we do that in a few ways. Number one, we ask the runners because clearly they're the ones that know it the most through surveys. And then we do a lot of post-marathon recaps amongst the different groups here in the organization. And then we bring everyone together probably about a month after the marathon to go through, okay, what did we try this year that worked? What didn't work? What do we need to get better on? So that really starts the process um, in December and then follows all the way through spring to when you get back around to planning, obviously, again, come early fall. It is a 12-month event. There's no question about it because besides planning the event, we just actually closed the application. So in January, we opened for a month the application for people to apply again. So even though the event itself is not taking place, the buildup for the event starts you know, pretty quickly after the event ends. Talk to me about the process and how a runner can actually get entry in the race. You've got plenty of natural interest in the race, of course, but runners also have to go through a process to figure out who can run each year. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there are a few different ways in which people can get into the TCS New York City Marathon. To bucket them in, in probably three we have a drawing. We open up for a month, January to February, and we get um, people who just apply from all over the world. No fee. You just fill out an application and apply. Um, actually, this year, we just had about 120,000 people apply, which was a new record for us. Wow. Um, so that's the biggest bucket. The second one is there's a lot of people who get into guaranteed entry, um, and that's a, very, a number of different ways within that. We have a nine plus one program here, which means if you run nine of our races and volunteer once, it gets you an automatic non-complimentary entry into the TCS New York City Marathon the following year. We get approximately 10,000 people that come in that way. Then there are other various ways of time qualifying. People who've run 15 or more marathons with us get a guaranteed entry. So the guaranteed pool is kind of the second pool. And then the third one is we have over 10,000 charity runners that run with us. So a lot of folks come in through there. And additionally, we have people that come in through international travel partners. So we have travel partners around the world that bring in over 15,000 people to run. And those folks purchase an entry and travel arrangements with these travel partners around the world. So three ways through the drawing, through guaranteed entry, and then through either the charity or the travel program. Those are kind of the main buckets of how people get in. Well, if you run 15 marathons a year, you should be guaranteed to get something. Well, it's actually 15 New York City marathons over our history. Oh, okay. I happen to be one of those people as well. So. That's my understanding, and I'll ask you about that here in a little bit. 
so the race obviously starts every year on the Verrazano Bridge, and you end in Central Park, and you have all these great visuals. But does the race route change much each year, or by now are you pretty much set? Pretty set. There have been a few minor changes over the years. Actually, the other day I was running through, I think there's been about five over the years. The big one was obviously we used to just run this whole marathon in Central Park until 1976 when we went out into the five boroughs. And over the time period, the 40-plus years since that, we've made a few changes along the way, nothing major changes because some changes may have been made on the city streets, some other things. You know, we say this all the time, we don't own our own stadium. We are uh, have a great partnership with the city of New York, so we work with them every year to say, you know, is there anything on the course that needs to be adjusted or changed? But for the most part, we haven't made many changes over Next year, we're actually celebrating our 50th anniversary of the New York City Marathon. Um, and there have only been a few minor changes along the way. That's amazing. And Michael, how many volunteers do you need to pull the race off? Obviously, an event like this needs help beyond the staff you have. Yeah, we're so fortunate. We have over 10,000 volunteers each year for, for the TCS New York City Marathon. And it's really an amazing story. We have folks that every year come out and volunteer at the same water station, and they bring their family and their relatives and their friends, and it has really a great, you know, aspect to the community. And so it's really, over the years, become this this great community embracing throughout the different boroughs. But we're very fortunate to have an engaged community and people that really, on that day, I always say it's definitely the greatest day in New York City because really everyone's pulling for those 52,000 runners and supporting them, and we're very fortunate to have the volunteers helping out with that. Has that recruitment process gotten easier or harder over the years? It sounds like you've got a lot of people that tend to come back year to year to help you out. Yeah, um, you know, somewhere in between. I, I, I think they, they actually help recruit for us because they're really spirited and bring other people. We have a team of folks that work on volunteer recruitment all year round. So it's, it's something a lot of people really want to be a part of, and it really has become such a fabric of the community of New York. Well, it's interesting. You organize the biggest race of the year, which means most of our listeners here, if they organize a race or an event or doing so on a much smaller scale than the marathon itself. But are there any takeaways, Michael, that an event organizer can get from the way your organization approaches your largest events? I know you have other events as well, which we'll talk about in a minute. But when you think about the marathon, are there any takeaways or best practices that are universal for other events as well? Yeah, there, there are a few things that we always keep top of mind here. Number one, the community is such a critical part of anything you're doing. Again, we're fortunate that we've been in this community for 60 years. So have them involved, embrace what's important to them, uh, make sure that as you're uh, rolling out your plans, as you're putting on events, that your community engagement is really is really top of mind because they're such a critical part of it. And with them really enthused about it, um, it really makes a big difference. The second thing I'd say is anyone who's putting on events, certainly like we do in during sports, uh, where you don't own a stadium or arena, the city partnerships are critical. They're so important because they are the ones that make sure the streets are prepared, that there's safety there with the um, police force, that your elected officials support it. So we have a a lot of engagement with our city agencies and know that they're critical and, and, and the partnership that makes this all work. And then the third thing, and I would say, and obviously this is not in order of priority, is listen to the runners. Um, you want to put on the best event you can, but always be listening. Always be open to suggestions. Always be open to feedback. 
you know, we're fortunate we have a lot of people that run here, and we have people that run in our events, so we get some direct feedback from the team. But hearing what people want, what's important to them, what you can be better at is really critical. And whether it's surveying, whether it's focus groups, whether it's simply just being present at the finish line or the start lines and listening to people, there's so much to be said for that. And um, no matter how big or small you are, there's no replacement from that direct feedback that you get from, you know, your customers, your runners. And um, we, we value that highly. You're starting to branch out. Uh, New York Roadrunners just announced a new event, which will be one of your first outside of New York, all the way in Jersey City, New Jersey. So you've gone across the Hudson River uh, for a 5K. Tell me a little bit about that. What's, what's going on there, and why are you interested in doing this event outside of New York City? We are so excited to be going over uh, to New Jersey to do the uh, Fiesta 5K. We've actually done some other races over our 6 year history outside of the city in Jersey and Westchester and a few other areas. So we've been out before, but this was a, a process we've been through in the past few years to find what would be the right way to kind of grow out into that area. We did a lot of analysis of where our runners are coming from into the five boroughs, uh, the ease for our people in New York City to get over there. And whenever we look at something now, we look at it in a holistic view from a community standpoint. Jersey City has already that surrounding area, some of our kids' programs there. They also were very interested in our open run, which is a free weekly 5K that pops up in a, in a park for the community. So when we went to speak with them, it was certainly the event was, was um, the foundation, but the other aspects that we could really do in the community and support it of the kids' programs in the schools, the free open run, um, really made it a, a really, I think, ideal location for us to kind of spread out to. And it's a real easy commute over from the city. It's a great area down there. We have a ton of runners who run with us every year. A number of members of ours are out in that area. So we're thrilled and excited. It's also a Saturday evening race, so we figured we'd do something a little bit different on this one. And it's centered around the um, Cinco de Mayo holiday, so it, it really just provides an opportunity for people to, you know, have a celebratory thing at a time of year. So it's, uh, it's, it's a big thing, and, and not that this is a factor, but I happen to be from Jersey City, and so it's kind of cool to, to go back there as well. Very nice. Well, I'd imagine from your perspective, when it comes to your live events, it would make sense to be in the general New York area. I mean, this isn't your manifest destiny to start spreading out further west from here. No, not necessarily. But, you know, the other thing um, which I wanted to mention, um, we've uh, launched virtual racing, which basically engages people all over the world to be able to race with it. So although it's not the physical event that they're a part of, they're running with us virtually. So basically, we've done a partnership with Strava, and what it means is you can go out on a run. We actually currently are in a window to the New York Roadrunners virtual Valentine's Day 5K, and you can go out on a run. You track your run on Strava. Um, you register with New York Roadrunners, and you're part of a global community that's run a race together, a virtual race. There's a results page where you can see how you've done against the rest of the world. And we do it around themed things like holidays or we're doing one around Global Running Day. So it is a way to engage people outside of our physical events. And the idea is certainly if you're in the general area or if you're anywhere in the world, but you'll be within our ecosystem and you may decide to come and run the TCS New York City Marathon because you've run a virtual race with us in Spain or Italy or someplace. So it really is a way to help and inspire people through running through just a, another medium. 
That's interesting. What kind of reaction have you had? Have people been signing up? It has been really an interesting year of beta testing this. And after some trial along the way, it's this year alone for our resolution run, which happened in the obviously the New Year's time period, we had well over 10,000 people who registered to run with us. Our Valentine's Day run now, I think, has six or 7,000 people or somewhere north of 5,000. Our turkey trot had a lot of people as well. So it's one of those things that over time I think is going to become a, a really terrific way for us to kind of spread our mission to help and inspire people through running. And again, I think it will connect our global community to say, hey, I want to come into New York now and run the TCS New York City Marathon or the United Airlines half or the popular Brooklyn half because it'll give them an awareness that they might not have had before, but we can connect through the global digital community. Let me ask you about one other program that I know is a crucial one for New York Roadrunners, and that's your rising New York Roadrunners. This is where you're going into schools and working with kids. I think that level of community involvement is one that a lot of event organizers look for, and some seem to do it more successfully than others. So walk us through what that particular program is about and what kind of reach you have there. Yeah, so we're actually celebrating our 20th year of our free youth programs in schools this year. And it started back in Brooklyn with the need to get kids moving in 1999. And we're 20 years later, we now impact a little over 250,000 kids around the country and more than half of them here in our home city of New York City and throughout the five boroughs. It's a free program. It's a teach-the-teacher program. We have a curriculum um, which provides a number of games and activities that promote physical literacy for kids, help them connect and engage through running and movement. And we really, as I said earlier, being out in the community and giving back to the community and supporting the community is really critical to us. We've been doing it for a long time. And I think any race organizer big or small, has to find what their community impact is going to be, what they can support, how they can engage people. And for us, this program, the Rise New York Roadrunners, has really been a foundational aspect for us for many years, and we continue to see it grow and invest in it. And on top of it, we are really you know, creating the next generation of runners, which will come someday and run in our 5Ks or hopefully our TCS New York City Marathon. But most importantly, it will help them provide It'll help provide fitness for life for them and, a, and hopefully a love for running or at least an engagement with it. I was going to say that's obviously not a bad way to get your brand out there early and get people thinking about the events you do as they grow up seeing it and probably experiencing it in the schools as well. It is. And on the other thing to tie it back to the events, we actually put on quite a few events for kids here. Usually they're tied into our adult event. Either before or after um, the adult event, we'll have a, a shorter distance for the kids. So some of them that are in our programs in schools get to run in these events, and these are free events for them as well. So for any race organizer, even if it's even if it's maybe tough to get out into the community because of your size, you can always pop up at the beginning of the end of your adult race, a race for kids. And boy, there is nothing there is nothing more fulfilling or cuter than seeing some of these little kids, even if it's a 25 or 50 yard dash. And a lot of the adult runners line up after the race to come out and watch, whether it's their kids or other kids. So it's really, if you talk about a basic way in which event organizers can really get into the community, this is a real way that they can impact them. And, and we've been doing it for years and, and really love it. A 25-yard dash is sort of my distance of running, but you alluded earlier to the fact that you're a runner yourself. So let me ask you about that. How many consecutive New York City marathons have you run now? 
November, I completed my 27th consecutive uh, New York City Marathon. And um, hard to believe when I started first in 1991, I never thought, you know, gee, I will do this every year. I still don't even think of it that way. I just think of it every year as a way for me to just, you know, be engaged and stay healthy and fit through running. And the marathon becomes my one goal every year. And I, I feel really fortunate. I on that race day, because our team does a lot, obviously, uh, work that day, I get up early, go to work for a few hours, run the race, and then go back to work for many hours after that. And I feel really fortunate to be able to do that and, and, and love being engaged with the TCS New York City Marathon through running it. What's it like for you as a runner and the event organizer? Are you stressing out over the details as you're on the course, or are you just in a running zone for the few hours you're competing? Oh my God, it's, it's, it's all of the above. I'm sitting, I'm running and, and analyzing every aspect of what's going on at the same time trying to be in a zone of, of, of running well um, after training all year. So it's a really interesting experience and I love it, but there's certainly a lot of stress as well as a lot of enjoyment uh, on that day. And um, it, the great part about it is, again, as the race ends, we always look at what did we do well that we set out to do and what can we grow and improve on. And I have kind of a front row seat, if you will, uh, for a lot of that. And um, it's really, I think, been very valuable for me in my position um, over the years. And it's also a great way to connect with the runners. I, I run for our charity team for kids every year and raise money. So it also gives me another way to connect that aspect that I'm really passionate about as well. Well, that seems to be a great way to tie things up. Michael, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much for being with us on the Sports Travel Podcast, and best of luck not only with your planning but with your running as well. Thanks, Jason. I really appreciate it. All the best to you. Thanks for listening to the Sports Travel Podcast, and stay tuned for our next episode, which will feature a conversation with Amanda Duffy, the president of the National Women's Soccer League, where we'll talk about the future of the league and the opportunities ahead for the FIFA Women's World Cup. Until then, this is Jason Quartz. Thanks for listening.